0: It's a really big deal because if you don't trust yourself, you're never going to start. Artists should have
1: the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering
0: of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. We are artists uprising.
1: (laughs) Mom, how are you doing? Good. Oh, and by the way, before we get started, we didn't plan this. (laughs) (laughs) this right here this
0: Oh, this is total synergy
1: welcome to the artist uprising podcast i'm your host kabus here with our special guest multidisciplinary artist mom first off thank you for doing this with us i want to start like off the beginning what made you want to get started
0: i feel like one of my first memories with art was drawing looney tunes characters just tracing them um I think my dad still has those drawings in our garage at our family home. Um, I could be lying about that. So nobody go to my house, (laughs) to my parents' house. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, just drawing in daycare, tracing characters. Also making um, those little Christmas tiles in elementary school when you would draw on them with like Sharpie or like paint markers. Um, Yeah, just little projects and crafts from like elementary and middle school. And
1: from there... Did, it, did you know at that time that you wanted to pursue, like, art? Because art is kind of, from what I've known, is something kind of new in a way.
0: Growing up, thought that I wanted to be a pediatrician at yeah. some point. But my reasoning behind that, I think I just thought that because that's what, you know, it's a common profession yes. that kids are yes. introduced to. Um, and I realized that I wanted to be a pediatrician because I wanted to paint my office and decorate it and do little cute paintings on the walls. So I think for a while, yeah, I I didn't realize the undertone of what I was actually interested in. Um, But I participated in art pretty much all throughout my life, just never in a professional capacity.
1: Where Did you study at all for art in general?
0: Uh, Yeah, so when I was in high school, I was in advanced art classes. I was lucky enough to go to a high school that had a film photography program. Um, I learned how to do a little bit of digital rendering for building like animations and things in a class um, in high school. And I went to college for textiles at UNT from 08 to 2012.
1: How much of like what you learn from that period can you attribute to like mom, the artist today?
0: I think all of it, um, just because there were so many different experiences with so many different mediums and being able to attain skills through the practice of each one of those mediums just builds up over time, just yeah. like anyone else's personal experiences build up over time to make them the person that they are. So I definitely think that Every single thing that I've done artistically has um, definitely like influenced and
1: created what I'm doing currently. What you're doing, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so you you get done with college at UNT is art is art exactly what you want to do, or did you have like a little sidetrack like sidetrack moment where you you know like how artists are creatives? Yeah, we have these things where we kind of want to do something, but you know. You're told to kind of do this. Yeah, so but you do it don't. until you find that. So I want to know, like, what was, where were you at before you made the turn to go, where are you doing now?
0: So um, to make it a short story, because I could drag it out forever, um, I, graduated, <laughs> I graduated from UNT in 2012 and managed a shoe store for a little bit. And then immediately after that, went into roughly five years in IT for Baylor, Scott and White. Um, just you know good at learning things and repeating them, so I was able to you know keep up with a couple of jobs there and move up once
1: yeah.
0: um, and my cubicle was always covered in drawings. I had one um, coworker who was also an artist when I first started working there, and we would trade drawings on Fridays and just tried to kind of you know keep the artistic energy alive. I was also hosting um, pop-ups in my backyard for roughly about four years. COVID cut that off, but um, hosting pop-ups where I was screen printing t-shirts and having other local artists come in and, you know, sell their goods and stuff. So I was trying to keep up my art practice in the background while working in a corporate environment. Yeah. And then after about five years there, I transitioned into becoming an art teacher. And that was like my first introduction to art as a profession. Yeah. Um, and so I think definitely being an artist for two years, or an artist, an art teacher for two years, empowered me to step out on my own and, you know, actually you, have a What grades were you teaching? Ninth through 12th grade, all four grade levels, never taught school before, uh, did not have a certification. Was working on and I didn't have a degree in it, gotcha. um, but I was working on an alternative certification. It's a charter school, so they can like hire while you're in the middle of that, right. and just say like, "Hey, finish while you're like teaching." Two years went by, COVID happened, and I kind of bailed. But it was a really great experience, um, and it taught me a lot.
1: How much of that experience in teaching, and you know, kind of like teaching ninth and twelfth graders, like how much inspiration would you say that you got from them? And and more so, like how much did you feel like you inspired them?
0: I think it was pretty equal, I'd like to say. Yeah, Yeah, mutual. Um, Assuming that they feel like they, you know, were inspired by me. I know some kids were, but you know, one person versus a hundred (laughs) kids. The weight is a little bit different, but, I think definitely like working with them, seeing their concepts, helping them, bring them to fruition, um, inspired me a lot to get back into my own practice and find um, more meaning in my work and not just, you know, printing T-shirts. Right, so you'd say
1: though, as far as art in general, this is something of a practice that you're always doing. Like you have never really like stopped your always consistently, what's that process like when you talk about creating art in general?
0: I don't even know if I can really define a process, you're living it, you know? Love in your that. spare time, anytime you get, you're making something, creating, thinking about something creative. Now it has to be a lot more conscious because I'm on a schedule and I have to, you know, keep up with deadlines and commissions and things like that. But um, I think just throughout the years, the innate desire to want to create just makes it happen. Don't really have to think about it.
1: Tell me, you said commission, tell me about the first commi- your first commission like work with art.
0: Technically I was getting commissions before I painted because I was making like abstract landscape hoodies for a short period of time. Yeah. So after teaching for a couple of years, I quit my job and I'm sure we'll get to it, but opened a space that's like a store and studio. Yes. The first thing that I thought I was going to be doing there, the thing I thought that I was going to make a living off of was textiles and creating like merch for people. Right. So um, I think probably one of the first commissions in that arena was people asking me to make them like band shirts or some kind of like merch for their own business instead Mm -hmm. of doing my own designs. Yeah. Um, and then quickly kind of folded over into making my own like abstract hoodies, which is where the sort of abstract landscape designs came from.
1: Which is kind of what you say is like a trademark in a way. Definitely. Didn't mean for that to happen, but here I am. Right. <laughs> I, I remember a pop up uh, where I met you mm-hmm. and uh, sh- saw your stuff and there was definitely like this distinct light you know, branding-wise that you had. Now, I just found out today that that was, like, one of your first, like, one of your first... But you were already doing pop-ups, so...
0: Yeah, I understood, like, pop-up world or whatever, but I had never had a body of work because I was selling shirts and stuff before, and they were just all over the place, different designs, different styles, like, whatever I felt like making. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you meeting me in that arena, that was, like, a first glimpse at a more intentional attempt at trying to actually build an art career.
1: As far as the commissions and stuff, would you say from that point on, like moving forward, you just continue to build what what you're doing now and the commissions start coming in and you get people asking, is it typically asking you to do say something like this or are there specific like, what's the difference between say, a regular commission as opposed to something commercial? So with a regular commission, most times people just
0: want me, right? Like they want me to do whatever I want. I usually ask for people to send a couple of colors that they enjoy, or if they're trying to maybe match it to their home, send me like photos of the area that it's gonna be in so I can pull reference from there. Um, But a lot of times those people just will tell me landscapes that they're interested in, travels that they've been on, or they'll just let me go willy-nilly and do whatever I want. Right. And, like, most of the time with those, I don't actually sketch before. Somebody just asks me to do it, and I'm like, yep, I'll send it to you when I'm done. So it's always a complete surprise when it is a, like, residential or, like, a smaller commission with just, like, a one-on-one kind of communication. Um, With commercial stuff, I have had to... Lean more into creating color stories ahead of time, which I normally don't do, and actually sketching, you know, a multitude of different compositions to present to someone. So it's a little bit um, more nerve wracking, I think, in the commercial sense, because right. also this isn't just something that sits in someone's home. It's gonna be out in the public. It's also intended to bring in business. So I think that those feel a little bit more weighted sometimes.
1: But with that though, as far as it being weighted, do you feel like as an artist, you know, I love challenges. Do you feel like things like that or just challenges in general make you better or elevate what you do?
0: Definitely. I feel like um, recently I've been saying this a lot. Like I love when life just kind of like pushes me into a corner and forces me to level up because a lot of times, you know, you're afraid to step out and do things that are unknown just because of the fear of mm-hmm. the unknown, right? Like yeah. that's the only thing that's really ever holding us back. right? Um, so I, I kind of like when life's just like, do, do it, do it, do it. Do this, yeah, because right. then I learn and I put my toe in and I'm like, oh wow, this isn't so bad. And then, you know, two months later you're
1: like, oh, pff, that's nothing. That is so cool. Um, I want to get to your process of yeah. like how you talk about we can even like talk about this in general, but I want to know, was there like a moment where you knew like yesterday 's price was not today 's price
0: it's always happening it's not like it's only happened once it's constantly evolving as I see. More people being interested in the work. Obviously, Mm -hmm. when getting like commercial commissions, that's like a really big moment where it's like, wow, people like actually value what I'm making and want to like share it with other people. Um, So, I think as those projects start to come in more and more, and I kind of see what businesses are willing to. Pay or like yeah what they see it's worth it's like oh wow like it's opening up my mind to the fact that I could level up and charge more right. um, so I think that's just yeah like consistently happening I think the first time that it happened though um, my first painting commission was on a 14 by 14 I was only doing that size and I had set a price I'll be candid of like 175 175 bucks yeah um and I had four commissions within a month and was like oh cool I could literally hang out like a week per painting in my underwear at home and get paid enough across the month to like pay my bills and not have to scramble making t-shirts and trying to sell shit for like 35 dollars a pop or whatever yeah um so when I realized that four people were interested immediately when I, and that was off of the back of just starting painting. Like I started February, 2021 and within a month I had that. And then my mom, she commissioned me to do a mural in her home. (laughs) (laughs) She has a dog gym in her house. She trains whippets. Yeah. Um, And so I did a mural in there and I don't know. Yeah, just every time like the projects got a little bit bigger or just another person inquired about it that's always motivation to kind of reconsider, am I valuing myself at the right amount or level, you know?
1: And I'm sure as times progress, you've kind of like known exactly like what you- It's getting better. Above. It's still
0: hard. I think pricing is one of the hardest things for artists. Right. Um, Cause you want to make it accessible, but at the same time you, need to get paid what you're worth and then some (laughs) so you can actually sustain like life and business because a lot of that goes back into material costs and you know other stuff yeah it's a process yeah you like it's I'm still still kind of like but I actually watched one of the uh, interviews that you did and um, someone said that if your like hand wasn't shaking when you were writing the price or if you were like too comfortable with it it's not enough Yes. Been trying to live by that for the past couple months. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <That>
1: is, <laughs> shout out to our podcast.
0: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm like, I forget her name. Sorry, no disrespect. But it was the, um, the Crown Magazine. Yeah. yeah Jasmine's yes. Good. Jasmine. Yes. Shout out to Jasmine. <laughs> yes, shout out. Because that's, like, that's my new thing. I've already told like four or five people that same thing I'm like fucking do it man like I was a yeah I was like at a market the other day and someone sold me this photo booklet for $15 and I was like girl no no and I like had a whole conversation with her and told her about the podcast so
1: oh yes (laughs) love this yeah someone's gonna see this and learn something from what you said you know hopefully well we're talking about process I want to know the process of say this right here how Like what are you seeing at first when you're putting this together? Like what is this right here that we're looking at? So
0: normally I start with a blank wood canvas Mm -hmm. and I paint it pink. I love painting on top of light pink. I feel like it adds just a little bit of like depth or richness to the other colors, but also having a color already on the canvas helps you to make decisions quicker because you're not impacting this perfect, raw, precious, you know, thing. Um, So normally I'll just paint it pink and then depending on maybe what the assignment is or how I'm feeling, I will start with a framing element. So at the beginning, I really started mostly with just these huge circles in the center. Um, But now I've started moving into arcs and like pushing them into corners, not including them sometimes. Um, And then I will draw something within that framework. Once I do that, it's pretty much just painting and um, not a lot of planning from then on I usually choose one color that I'm interested in so that I don't overwhelm myself I don't make um, like a color story unless it's a you know a commercial commission that I need to present to someone before it's approved but on my own yeah I just choose um, an initial color so here it was just the yellow I was like all right dope I love yellow and then I just chose a second color. So, usually in my color process, because a lot of the pieces have uh, roughly like 10 to 15 colors, mm-hmm. maybe even sometimes more than that, um, you just focus on the characteristics or the traits of the color. Instead of trying to understand color theory or figure out what matches what and how it's gonna go, I just let it go. So, if we're gonna use like a super saturated yellow first, Um, Maybe the inside of the circle should be something that contrasts. So something that's not saturated, right? Desaturated and something that's a cool tone instead of a warm tone. So you're balancing temperature, value, tone, saturation um, within each choice that you make and each color that you lay down. And at the end, there's this sense of balance while also maintaining interest and movement, but also a bit of surprisingly like rest for your eye. You'd assume with everything going on, you'd feel more like chaotic, but I think because of the balance in all of those contrasting elements, the fact that it's so intentional helps it kind of almost sit still
1: in a way. And this is like, this is something as far as like a theory, this is your theory. This is like how you came about. uh Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah,
0: like I I always avoided color when I was working in college on my projects. Um, I think I just didn't want to learn color theory and thought it was too confusing and overwhelming. And I don't know, it just sucks when you're taught to do something one way and then you just assume that's the only way forever. And you get kind of stuck or like beat down if you feel like you can't do it that way. So I... Yeah, just decided to start using color and really cared about, like, the elements and principles of art because of teaching. So I was teaching ninth graders about contrast, balance, um, value, you know, things like that, composition. And so I think because that was so fresh on my brain from teaching, I... um, It's
1: a subconscious thing.
0: Yeah, like, it's subconscious, but also it's intentional. Yeah. Like, the choices are subconscious, but the method is intentional, if that... Makes sense. Cool. No, it does. <laughs> it does. I'm, 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 I'm like, sometimes stuff scrambled in here like that, but it makes sense to me.
1: You've been able to, because it was around the pandemic when everything started going for you, like with your stuff. And yeah. a lot of people during that time were uh, stuck at home mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to figure out a way. And you actually grew your business online through social media. Yeah. How much of, like, how did you? Uh, one kind of make that happen and how much have you seen like your business grow because of the work that you do on social media?
0: Um, I think a lot of it has to do with like consistency and a bit of repetition especially on the online platform. I know for a while uh, before I started getting into this professionally I used to actually kind of look down at creators online who were just literally doing the same thing over and over and over. Like I would find an account. I'd be like, wow, this is super cool. And like a year later, I'd be like, wow, I'm fucking tired of this. (laughs) Like, you know, I'd I'd be so over it. Um, And I would usually unfollow. And I was just like, ugh, like why does everybody just do the same thing all the time? And then as I started getting into painting, it was February, 2021, and the storm had just happened. So prior to this... Um, I was just making shirts because, like I said, I thought that's how I was going to make a living. Uh, (laughs)
1: Looking
0: back at that person like, girl, what? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I just didn't feel like trying to peddle stuff to people online while that storm was happening and everyone was, like, suffering, so I just decided to stay to myself. And I painted something, showed it online, people loved it. I was like, hmm, and they hadn't, like, nobody had really liked anything on my account that much and so I was like that's interesting so I tried it again and people were like whoa and so I was like okay if I just keep like consistently not repeating this formula but if I kind of stay in a lane and I actually brand myself and I find something to focus on that helps me stand out from other people yeah that will be what helps me win so I (laughs) silly enough I attended some like goofy workshop on online from some random person talking about how to present yourself online, and one of the things that I actually ended up getting from it, which I think is in part due to the success, was tips about how to approach your social media, how to pe- like keep people's attention on you. Um, simple stuff like if you're gonna start um, showing people what you're working on in your stories, make that like a chronological thing and like actually wrap it up and show people the process. Don't just like present it to people and then leave them hanging or they're not gonna come back to you, right? Um, Putting closed captions on your videos while you're talking because some people, lots of people are at work, right? Looking at these videos and they can't put the audio up but they still want to watch. So if you have closed captions on, obviously that's also
1: um,
0: more accessible for more people. But little things like that, um, keeping those in mind to be like professional, uh, while still maintaining a sense of self and still doing what I want, but noticing what works. So I think the one thing that really worked for me is like satisfying videos of just peeling. So I started doing peel reveals online, okay. and that helped me go viral a couple times, get a lot of attention, and people start commenting, oh, I love the colors, I love the way that you think, and so you start to realize what people are attracted to in your work, and as long as you kind of hold on to some of those things or those qualities about your work, you can like shift gears and do something different and not have to become super repetitious like the people that I was maybe snubbing my nose at before like they had something yeah but also it got monotonous so just trying to figure out how to like so
1: So you took what you didn't like in like the social media like the posting and all that stuff and basically kind of made your own lane and like how you do it
0: yeah and like just put a limit on it you know because a lot of people I think like um They see having to create content and things as a burden, and yes, it can be, but it doesn't have to be depending on what you do, right? So, you find your niche and you find, um, you figure out what the value is that you're presenting to people, whether it's education, satisfaction, comedy, whatever, and you grip onto that and you give it to people, but not in lieu of like taking care of yourself, right? So, you got to find a limit. So, like, instead of me, maybe. Making skits with my art, I just time lapse video and show people the process, and that's been good enough for them. It doesn't have to become like a whole production.
1: Did you see like your numbers like grow once you started doing that? Yeah, so that
0: like? the workshop thing that was so funny. So the workshop thing, um, I also watched one. I can't remember if it was the same one as the thing that I got with the stories. Yeah, tips. Um, but they started talking about reels, and this was right before reels were really started popping up. Reeling. Yeah. <laughs> reels. Reeling. Really, really <laughs> um Yeah, so it was right before that. And um so I just started using reels. And when I noticed that you post something and within like an hour, maybe a thousand people have at least seen it, maybe not liked it, but have seen it, I saw how quick the reach was. So Um, yeah, at first I was just doing paint videos and I was trying to like clip together different shots and do like B roll and have it be all dynamic. And then one day I just did a video of me peeling the tape off of one of my paintings and it went wild. Like I can't even remember, but every like couple hours I would just like look down and be like, holy
1: shit. Like all you're doing is it was like
0: 500,000 like people and like likes and i was like whoa just like peeling the yeah just literally peeling the tape back and everybody was like this is so satisfying oh this is so interesting i like the cut so that's where i started realizing like oh people don't need all of the extra bells and whistles they just want that moment of like what's under there and then like oh yeah like you know that release
1: um, of the surprise of the peel reveal, so so you still do the peel reveals, and that's kind of is, yeah. Would you say that that's a series and stuff that you do, or
0: I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like give it that kind of label again. Trying to balance um, yeah. the reality of its effect and and value in my growth, but also not being like held up to it as well. So like, I don't know maybe not a series, but just it's a style of content that I, like, I just call them like satisfying content or satisfying videos.
1: Oh yeah. That video, that was actually done at your store, right? Yes. Yeah. Tell tell me about your store.
0: The store, it's called Trade. Yeah. It's in Oak Cliff. Um, We're at Tyler Station and basically it's like um, a co-op studio slash shop. So half of it People use it for studio space. We host markets there. Um, we teach classes. And then we also hold space for handmade goods. So things from our co-op members. We also have a few shelf rentals. Um, and everything is handmade except for one shelf. There is vintage jewelry there. But right. um, but yeah, so we opened this space in August of 2020, like right off the back of... The pandemic happening. And I opened it with um, two friends, Sabine and Corey. Corey was actually a teacher um, along with me in the same district. And we would see each other at collaboration days. She was an art teacher that taught at a different school. And she was like, hey, I have like this cool idea where I wanna do like a maker space and blah, 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 like you should come down to this building and check it out. So I went to meet them, we hung out a couple times and we were in this dungeon area. Um, that's what they call it, where her kiln was cause they both do ceramics. And she wanted to put a bunch of machines in there so that people could come and work and, you know, do whatever they needed for their art practice in this dungeon space but she quickly realized that there was vacancy upstairs with like a storefront window and she really wanted to be able to work on her wheel um, with natural light. So we ended up renting a space upstairs um, with a storefront and that incentivized us to make shelving. So it kind of tumbleweeded from there and Mm. became what it is today. And like I said, now we have like markets and classes and Things of that nature, but it was somebody else's brainchild that I was lucky enough to be trusted with, like, joining in on.
1: I mean, that's cool, though, as far as, like, finding another person that does what they do. I want to touch on that a little bit, because, you know, as an artist, you know, in the creative space, there's so many other artists in, you know, the community and whatnot. Tell me what uh, community, uh, from the aspect of being an artist, means to you.
0: Community is... The main reason why I enjoy trade so much, and a really big part of why I am in it. Yeah. Um, when I first started, I was very like isolated and wasn't really like socializing with people, and thought that, you know, off of that month of commissions that I had, I was like, hell yeah, I can like sit in my house for an entire month and not have to communicate with anybody, and I could just paint this stuff and send it off to people. Like that's dope. I don't ever have to see anyone. Um, but we have trade, right? And I have to go there. I have to work shifts. I have to help with programming. I have to teach classes and run markets and stuff. Um, So that's the place that actually brought me out of my personal dungeon in my home um, and gave me more community. So along with that came other people's experiential knowledge, you know, advice, um, different perspectives. I've just learned a lot from opening up and... Meeting a bunch of people in the community. Everyone's, most people are really nice. <laughs> <laughs> we won't I shouldn't say everyone because that's obviously right. like an actual lie. But right. no, you being honest. You know, <laughs> it's like I don't have any grudges with people. But just saying, right. you know, um, yeah, most most people are pretty like open and honest and are willing to, you know give feedback and advice and um, I feel like I wouldn't be this far this fast if it wasn't without community because people have also spread my name Um, like an example would be having trade and doing markets Um, Sam Lau when she started rug tufting a couple of years ago she did her first market with her rug tufted work at our space and she ended up filming it for her YouTube channel and Jensi, um, the owner of Sweet Tooth, I believe saw that video, saw my work in the background, and invited me to apply for Sweet Tooth, and that's how I got that gig. I've had people mention my name when I'm not in rooms. That's how I'm literally sitting here, because Megan brought me up, right? Right. Um, so I think that community is really important, and it's good to like know the people in your space while still
1: maintaining some realistic boundaries, obviously. Tell me about, you mentioned the Sweet Tooth Hotel. They've been guests on our show. Tell me about the installation. What was the process behind that?
0: So it was about a three month process and I had to apply and create a proposal. So like anyone could apply. You don't need to be invited. Um, And essentially they give you, you know, a room or a space and you just come up with an idea. So I wanted to involve or include my paintings that I had just been doing. I wanted to do a huge mural that would wrap around the space. And then I was like, okay, what else would go with this? Landscapes, obviously I should probably build an external landscape in this room. Um, so I started exploring new mediums, like I used um, EVA or isolon foam to create oversized flowers that I sculpted with heat and hot glue. Um, I installed turf for the first time. I sculpted 300 tiny little clay snails and painted three coats on each one and like coated them and put little flowers in their shells and like planted I've, them all I've over the space. I've been there to that.
1: Yeah. Did you, you literally just learned all that and then? And then just did it. <laughs> what?
0: What? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, that is so, <laughs> boom. I mean, that place is amazing.
0: An example of life pushing you into a corner and forcing you to level up, I had never made something like that in my entire life, had never filled a space like that, um, that large or in an installation or like a three-dimensional type of way. So that was a really big challenge, but I trust myself. I trust my ability to use the skills that I've attained over the years. Also my ability of like, you know, using, Analysis, logic, reason—things that maybe don't always fit into the creative sector for some people. Everyone thinks it's going to be this like hippy dippy experience, and that's yeah. not the case. I'm very like, whoop. Um, but yeah, just I, I wanted to—I sketched out something that I wanted to do, and then was just like, I'm just going to figure out how to do it. So watching YouTube videos, asking advice from people, looking things up online—like that's what I do first. Always is just look it up, use Google. Google's your best friend.
1: I mean, when you accomplish things like that, you are accomplishing and doing. How much of self belief is important for an artist when it comes to growth?
0: Extremely, expoundingly. Like it's it's a really big deal because if you don't trust yourself to take on, you know, the new challenges or to get something done, uh, like you're never gonna start, right? So how are you even creating anything at all? Right. Like you've got to have that trust and believe in yourself. Yeah, to be able to move forward. Otherwise, you're going to be really stagnant. And if you don't believe, then, like, who the hell else will? Right? Like, that shit is supposed to radiate off of you. Yeah. It should radiate off of you. When you leave a space, someone should be like, damn. You know, that person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What does the rest of uh, 2022 look like for you?
0: Ooh. um, So I actually just launched, relaunched a painting class that I do at Trade, Um, I was a little apprehensive about doing it because last year I just didn't really have a grip on, I'd only been painting for six months. It's Mm -hmm. been a year and a half now. Wow. So this is a way better experience. So, um, got just like everything coming up at trade. If you follow us on Instagram, we've got monthly markets, classes, things of that nature. Um, I'm actually attending an opening next week for a new sweet green that's opening in Lakewood. I have four paintings in um, their seating area. And yeah. so I'll be attending that opening and hanging out, giving people links for free salads.
1: <laughs> get a lot of people that watch the podcast and they're always wanting to learn. A lot of them are aspiring artists. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could give a piece of advice to our viewers and listeners, uh, what would you like to share? Mm. Mm. What, 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 would, what would your advice be to an aspiring artist who's almost like at the edge trying to figure out should I make that jump, and like make that turn, like how you did with teaching and going right into who you are now?
0: I'd say find your niche. <laughs> figure out what value you are giving to your audience because you can't just expect people to love you just for whatever, right? Right. Um, But yeah, finding your niche, um, figuring out your value, maintaining consistency, believing in yourself, and like finding a community, definitely. Uh, Because nobody can do it by themselves. We need the audience as artists to view our work, to share our work, to appreciate it. Um, We need other artists to... Learn from to work with,
1: yeah. You'll love that.
0: Just all of the little like things I think that we've talked about, all the little like morals. And what's, what's
1: the best way for our viewers and listeners to find you?
0: Um, Instagram. I am on pretty much daily. You what's can figure handle? out what I'm doing like day to day on my stories. Um, it's made by mom, but it's spelled M-A-D-E-X. M-O-M, so by, it's not spelled phonetically, it's just the letter X, and the trade account online, Trade Oak Cliff, Uh, but you can find that through my page.
1: Well, I appreciate you so much for taking this time to be on the podcast, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thank you so much, Yeah. and thank you for listening and watching, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.